sends it. And I want to say thank God for His Word that has been sent to this sanctuary this morning. Brother Spell, thank you for the Word of God. And I want to just, I would like to just invite you all to give me, help me give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Help me give the Lord a hand clap of praise for sending His Word today. And let's thank Him for the prosperity in the thing which He has sent it for. Jesus' name, praise God. Blessings poured out, shaken together, poured into our lap. Let it be overflowing in Jesus' name. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Brother Ballestero, we're thrilled that the Lord has let us have your participation, your ministry at the Mile High Conference 2012. I want to thank the Lord for all of the wonderful years of your ministry at this same conference and camp meeting and open Bible conference. Many, many years passed. Brother Ballestero will be the same speaker. This brother, Brother Ballestero, will be speaking tomorrow morning. He's our opening speaker, the 11 o'clock service. So be on time for tomorrow's a.m. service. And just let me give you a quick little heads up that Brother Doug White, we're so glad, is here from Silsby, Texas. He's our speaker tonight. Come anticipating greater things than ever before in the house of God. Every time we come, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Anybody glad for what we heard today? We've been enriched. We literally have been enriched in the things of God. So thankful for the spiritual blessings. We're ready to continue what the Lord has prepared for us. The next speaker here, Brother Martin Ballestero. What a wonderful friend. What a wonderful man of God and anointed. And, and uh, what, a, what an in-touch man. Brother Ballestero is a man who is not got his head stuck in the sand of the past, but he is a very, he's a very uh, contemporary-minded man. He's got a great blog, and he's got, uh, get, you should get those updates on a regular basis. He's uh, active on online, great ministry that's available by way of uh, lots of channels on the internet. But Brother Ballestero, we do thank you again for being with us, and we look forward to what you have from the Lord, and I'm ready to preach with the preacher. Everybody ready? God bless you, Brother Ballestero. Please take your liberty from South Bend, Indiana. We're so glad to introduce you this morning, this afternoon, to this Mile High Conference 2020. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Thank you, Jesus. I praise the Lord, everyone. I greet you in the name of Jesus, which is still... The only name under heaven, given among men, whereby we must be saved. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I want to say thank you to our pastor. Give honor to him. Thank God for the work that the Lord has accomplished in this town. Through his ministry, I give honor to his wife. And I'm thrilled to see um, their children involved in, in music and the work of God. What a godly heritage. Of course, I give honor to the old Brother Haman and uh, his lovely wife. You, you did all right when it came to finding a wife. I hate to tell you this, as awesome as you are, you still married up. I just wanted to tell you that. And good to see all of the Hamans, the family, the girls, and 
can't believe these grandkids of yours are growing up. And, ooh, Lord. Uh, I just happen to have some grandchildren of my own. Maybe we can talk as grandpas. Who knows? Probably won't, but maybe we could. Uh, I want to thank you for my lovely accommodations and uh, my gift basket. I got enough to start a little mini market. And, and, uh, I'm happy that my basket was bigger than all the other preachers. And it, that, Lord, I apologize for that. It's good to see my friends and to see familiar faces in the congregation today. That's what it's all about, seeing folks continuing in this wonderful life. I, uh, I'm honored to be on the same ticket with such honorable men of God, such anointed ministries, get to hear this beautiful singing and music. I tell you folks, you don't get any better than what you got going on just right here. That's what I'm talking about. Thank the Lord for what we have in this house right here today. Huh? I um, listened to Brother Koppel. Koppel. Well, let me not talk about my brother-in-law here today. Let me just strike that and I'll talk about somebody else. But we are blessed today to hear the word of the Lord that we've heard. And thank you, Brother Spell, for minding the Holy Ghost. Do you know that um, I sat there blown out of the water listening to him preach because I counted at least 14 times he's crossed paths with what I've got to talk about today. Kind of like the story about Brother Minnesota Fats. I know some of you don't know who Brother Minnesota Fats is, but he was a professional pool player. Maybe he has a priest in his church, I don't know. But I listened to Brother Arnold one time preaching, and he told the story about Minnesota Fats was in a, a world championship pool tournament of some kind, and his opponent had a run on the table. And the guy in the corner with him said to Mr. Minnesota Fats, he said, when the guy got done, he said, he didn't leave you much. Minnesota Fats got up with his cue stick and walked around the table at a time or two, and he looked at everything, and he looked at his old buddy and said, he left me just enough. So Brother Spell didn't leave me much today, but he left me just enough. And so that's what we're going to go with today. Listening to him preach is kind of like watching a guy drive a, a, a sports car or a race car of some kind. And he's taking you for a ride. You ain't never ridden that fast before. He don't even breathe when he preaches. If I could preach that fast, he'd kill me. So crawling out of the car with him and getting in the car with me is like riding in the family minivan. We just kind of run into shuttle service here today. We'll try to get you from point A to point B, and I'll watch out for the chuck holes. How am I going to help me preach a little bit here today? Now, I will never stop. In deference to time, I, 
Uh, he took so long, I got to hurry on here. So. I will never stop preaching holiness. And I will never stop preaching separation from the world. But here's what happens to some people. Is that they hear preaching about godly living and carefulness. And we're living in a very careless generation. But people who try to be careful realize, ooh, I need to be even more careful. It's just like the folks that read the Bible, start reading the Bible, realize I need to read it more. And people that start praying realize I need to pray more. And so when you try to draw closer to God, you keep realizing I still need to draw closer to God. And the day you feel like you have arrived is, is a pretty sad day in your Christian experience. But my problem as a pastor came to a head when I was very young. I went to the hospital to pray for a woman in her 80s that looked like may never come out of the hospital. And she confided in me that she didn't know if she was going up or down. And I stood there in the room and I cried with her because I had to blame myself. I hadn't been her pastor long, but I blamed myself because evidently I hadn't conveyed to her what she needed to hear. I don't believe in eternal security. I believe the church is predestined. And as long as I stay in this church, I'm going where this church is going. But let me just tell you, we've we got a blessed hope. And I'm happy to tell you, I can still sing the song, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine, heir of salvation. I want you to know that what I have here today is not an accident. He chose me. He put his spirit in me. All right? Now, I, I want to talk to those folks who feel like you've heard the preaching and you never feel like you can ever measure up and are never good enough. Our brother Spell preached about a complex today, and that's exactly where I'm going to start about the complex. I would just preface my remarks this way and tell you that what I say to you today, I, I'm hoping will help cure somebody. But if you're self-righteous or if you're arrogant, what I'm saying to you may just go ahead and kill you. It's your call. I am speaking on the subject of imagined ugliness disorder. And what got me thinking along these lines is I read about a woman who had 17 plastic surgeries. Because she wasn't happy with how she looked. And she kept trying to improve on her looks. What is sad is that the end result was not really what she had originally hoped for. And there are some people who are never happy with how they appear. This imagined ugliness disorder is also known as body dysmorphic disorder or BDD. What you see when you look in the mirror is not the same person other people see when they look at you. There are some folks that I know that I think they're drop dead gorgeous. 
women I'm talking about. And I mean that in a good Christian way. But when they look at themselves, they see, oh, I'm overweight, or my hair, and we always have this reason why we don't like to look in the mirror. Some of the symptoms of the imagined ugliness disorder or BDD is the avoidance of mirrors. You don't even want to look in the mirror. You have to fight depression. There is low self-confidence or self-esteem. Excessive grooming. Skin picking. You, they have sores and red marks and scabs on their skin, their arms, their faces, their body. They pick. And we have in our family, in our extended family, folks that don't even include themselves in our family portraits and family pictures, much to the pain of other families because the person who didn't want to be in there sees themselves as this ugly person. And if I showed you a picture of their face, you'd say, oh my word. They could put their face on anybody's magazine. It's gorgeous. And yet they see themselves as something less than desirable, less than perfect. Uh, here I would show you Sister Nicole. This is before and after plastic surgery. Most of you do not know what it's like to uh, read about or see these people, so just I have their names included here. If you wanted to type in a Google search before and after plastic surgery, these are the pictures that come up. Joan, before and after surgery. Jocelyn didn't have a good day. Before and after. Donatella tried to improve herself. The world's first supermodel. And trust me, the after picture is the nicest of the after pictures that I have found. Janice. Nikki didn't help herself. Melanie didn't need to do it. <laughs> do you realize this is what you look like when you go charismatic? Michael thought he was improving himself. And this model injected her face with cooking oil. And that's what happened. Priscilla, leave it alone, girl. Now, these people were not pleased with how they looked on the outside. 
And yet sitting in this congregation, no doubt, are people that are not pleased with how they think they look on the inside. It's possible to be living for God and never feel like you're worthy, He loves you. And somehow we go through life with an attitude that we never measure up and we're not desirable in His eyes. I want to tell you that when I got married 47 years ago, that's what I'm talking about, baby. Yeah. I, my eyes fell in love with what I saw. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Now, when I look at this girl 47 years later, I'm not trying to see in her the girl I saw 17 years ago. To me, she's even more beautiful now. Why can't we get an understanding that... No, if you ask my wife about something, she's going to not have the same reaction maybe to that statement that I have because I think she's a head turner. I think she's drop dead gorgeous. There's no woman in the world that can compete with my wife. Do you understand what I'm saying? In my heart, in my eyes. Now, do you believe that God has to say, well, you know, I'm going to wait till you perform and you do... It's not a matter of performance. It's not a matter of how good you are. Let me tell you, I bought a brand new blue and silver custom van back in the day, in the 70s. My wife blackmailed me into that because she kept bringing kids home from the hospital. And wasn't big enough, not enough room in cars. We had to, I was looking at school buses next. And my 16-year-old son, Brian, I invited him to get in the driver's seat. First time he's going to drive on a cross-country trip, we're going to Brother Kavnis's. Now, I should just preface my remarks by telling you there is in the parking lot beside our house and the church one tree, one oak tree, one. And he found it. He found it without going six feet. It had a nice, beautiful tire on the back of a custom cover, painting, and everything on it. And it was pretty for the first few days that we had it. When he hit the tree, tears immediately came to his eyes. He pulled away and opened up his door to get out. He said, aren't you going to get out, Daddy? Look at it. I said, son, I can't fix it. What's done is done. I love you more than I love this man. Now let's go to church. He closed the door and we went on. My point is, did I want him to hit the tree? No. No. It cost me. But he hit it. So now what do we do? Do I throw him away and get me a new son? No. His place was secure in my family. That's still my son. He might have been unhappy with how the day went. But his love and my love was still together. Do you understand that? I'm going to sound like a good Southern Baptist here if you're not careful. But I want you to know the Father loves you. Let me just tell you one more story. I preached for Brother Kenneth Bow in Washington State some, oh, oh my word, it's been 12, 13 years now in a row. 
And a year or so ago, he told me, I got to go to the hospital to pray for a lady who is dying. She's got like 10 days to live. And uh, she has family in my church. She hasn't been to church in 25 years. And she asked her daughter, her pastor could come. And so he said, can you manage? I said, sure, I'll be fine. So he goes on and prays for her. When he walks in the hospital, she's got oxygen on. He said, sir, introduced himself, and she said, Brother Bo, she said, I don't know if God will ever forgive me, let me speak in tongues again or not. Brother Bo smiled and almost laughed. He said, yes, he will. You're his daughter. And she stuck her hands in the air and began to cry, asked the Lord to forgive her, and in moments was speaking in tongues, fogging up the oxygen mask. Talked for about a half an hour. Let me explain it this way. The death angel walked down the hallway in Puyallup, I believe it was, Washington, and walked into her room and gathered her up in his arms and carried her into eternity. But 13 days before the death angel walked down the hall, mercy walked down that same hall and wrapped his arms around her and restored her to the love of God. I'm trying to tell you, it's not his will that any in this house should perish. But it's the devil's business to make you feel that God doesn't love you. There's hope in this house. There's hope in this house here today. You've come to the right place. We need to stop listening to what the devil's trying to say to us today. Look at your neighbor and say, I was born a sinner. Romans chapter 3. Verse 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us. John wrote it this way in 1 John 2, 12. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are being held against you to the day you die. No, that's not what he said. He said, I'm writing this to you because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. You didn't deserve it. But it's for his name's sake. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody put your hands together. Now, there's two different kinds of guilt. There's the godly sorrow that leads men to repentance. Let me paraphrase a little scripture here. No man can come to the Father except the Spirit draw him. I'm just going to say it that way. Imagine... A cowboy with a lasso. And he throws that around you and he pulls you to him. That's kind of what the Holy Ghost does. That's what the Spirit does. It draws you. It's the goodness of God that brings you to a place of repentance. You don't get to pick and choose. When you stand in the presence of the king, he holds out the scepter. That's how you know you're welcome in his house. So my point is, when the spirit begins to draw you, that's God holding the scepter out in your direction saying, it's okay for you to come. I have a problem with these people waiting until they're ready to die and laying in the bed in the hospital and then decide it's now time to get right with God. He picks the time. He picks the place. You may be driving an 18-wheeler. You could be going to your grandma's house. You could be driving a, a, a golf cart. I don't know what you're doing. It could be washing dishes, vacuuming, pushing a hand truck in a warehouse. And all of a sudden, hot tears start coming down your cheeks. You don't know where that came from. That was God trying to draw you. 
I'll give you a heads up. Pull your car over to the side of the road. Shut the motor off if you have to and lift your hands in the air. Why? Because God is beginning to draw you. Now, there was a preacher got a Holy Ghost in the revival that I was preaching for my wife's uncle in Grand Ledge, Michigan years ago. His name is Rick, Rickard Strawcutter or Rick Strawcutter. And He'd been pastoring about 17 years, and he invited me to come and preach for him one Sunday afternoon. So I went to preach, and they had a like a little brunch, and it was a beautiful plastic paper, plastic, I don't know what it was, but coated plates, just a pattern of some kind, matching cups or glasses, and black plasticware and cloth napkins. It was very nice. It was a brunch, just a little cereal, and you want... Uh, some pastries and coffee and orange juice or something. And then we would go have church and then go out and eat a nice meal. The next time I come, there's Old Country Roses China. There's crystal goblets, cloth napkins with napkin holder rings, salt spoons. Hold up your little finger when you say that. There was tapers or for the benefit of you gentlemen, candles burning. I'm talking about hoity-toity stuff. I took my thumb finger and I thunked, there's a good word, I thunked on the plate. And I said, hey girl. She was raised in my wife's church. And they were friends in childhood. I said, your paper plates sound different. My paper plates. She said, oh, Brother Ballastero. She said, Brother Gitrose came by here a couple months ago and told the story about how his mama used to have the nicest china. And it was special. She only used it a couple days out of the year. And she died. And said his daddy got married again. And the new Sister Gitrose used that china every day. And now that china has chips and cracks in it. She said, when I heard that, that made me so mad. I told myself someday there may be a new, a new sister straw cutter in this house. But when that old girl gets here, there's going to be chips and cracks in this china. She's going to have to get her own china. Right. Now my point is for all of that, when God chose you, he didn't try to put you in the china cabinet. He wanted you to be on the table. He wanted you to be of use and service. It's the devil's business to disqualify you in your own mind and make you feel like you shouldn't be doing anything for God. But he didn't call you to sit on that pew. He didn't call you to sit there and just look at what else everybody else was doing. He wants you to be part of his kingdom. Can I get a witness in Then there's another kind of guilt. It's the kind of guilt. It's condemnation and accusations from the devil who is the accuser. Of the brethren. That's his job title. She's right there. Devil. Accuser of the brethren. And he walks. Some of y'all have been helping him out too. Though. He walks around and points fingers at everybody who's not doing right. Some are never feel forgiven. As a young man, I know what it's like to repent seemingly a hundred times for the same thing over and over again.
Now, I hadn't killed anybody, one or two, but I hadn't. And uh, in case you're just wondering, this is a clock so I can find out what time I'm going up here. Don't mean much, you just got one. Now, I hadn't done drugs, I didn't smoke, I hadn't been immoral, didn't drink. I stole the car one time when I was 14, made it two blocks downhill. Had to pull over and stop it though because found out it didn't have a motor in it. <laughs> America's dumbest criminal right there. I I've repented over and over and over and over for the same thing. Now, I'm not trying to preach to you something I found out of a book somewhere. I'm, I'm preaching to you from what I had to survive as a, as a child in the house of God. Having the best daddy and mama a kid could ever hope to have, I still had to get this for myself. And here I am down on my knees crying and snotting and bawling and praying. And I'm not criticizing that. That's still one of my favorite ways in the whole wide world to pray. It feels like my spirit gets washed. But I heard about 60 men walking back and forth and they're stomping and they're praying. And the Holy Ghost is, you know, powerful. And there's a roar going on in the men's prayer room. And the pastor's kid is down there service after service fighting for his life. And one day I got tired. I was about 16. I said, God, how come I can't feel what they're feeling? Why am I so bad that I can't feel that? How come I can't enjoy that level of living for you that they're enjoying? Oh, if they said live for joy, I, I, I could do that. I could run the aisles like everybody else did. But I had never danced on my own in the Holy Ghost. I had never been lost in the Spirit. I had never got drunk in the Holy Ghost. And I see all these other people doing it. So I'm thinking, well, what's wrong with me? Am I so horrible that God? Am I this horrible person that God can smile at me enough to even let me feel what normal folks are feeling? So I said, God, just one time, I'm not going to beg you. But one time for me, I'd like to feel what they're feeling. Would you do that for me just one time? It didn't happen that week. It didn't happen the next week. But the third week, I came Sunday night. I come to the door of the prayer room. I opened the door, and I stood right there just a second. And I just started doing me a checkup. I mean, I'm, before we get in this race, I'm going to have to make sure when you're learning to fly airplanes, you got you to do your little checklist before you get that sucker off the ground because it's, it's muy importante. Muy. Muy. And I started doing me a checkup. Got to my eyes. And they started crying. Felt my nose kind of almost tingled. My lips started to stammer. My hands went up in the air. My feet started coming up off the ground. I let out a whoop that would have made the whole Cherokee Indian nation proud of me. I started doing the stomp, the hucklebuck, the hoochie coochie. I did the twist again like we did last summer, baby. I, didn't, I had never danced in the church or out of the church. But I started dancing and talking in tongues. And when the men saw the preacher's boy getting the blessing, a roar went up. And the ladies praying upstairs heard the men's prayer room shift gears. And you can hear this. Upstairs, the women are shouting. For two hours, there was a shout in the house. 
all because one teenager made a transition from over yonder to feeling the glory of God, to feeling forgiveness in his own life. I'm telling you, you can be the key to revival. You can be a key to a move of God in this house. Somebody put your hand together. Know this, that there hath no sin or temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. You're not the first one God ever had to deal with. That dirty devil will tell you, you need to do that. And then you do it. And he says, oh, you shouldn't have done that. Now there's no hope for you. Sit down, it ain't that good. I took about 70 of our people to a fellowship meeting one time. And I don't want to tell you where it is because I'm not. I don't want to bring South Bend into the story. <laughs> and a man from another state got up and he preached. And he said, "After you have received the Holy Ghost, don't you ever say one thing you shouldn't say. Don't ever do one thing you shouldn't do. Don't ever think one thing you shouldn't think or go someplace you shouldn't go." And I looked at nine young married couples across the church on the second row. This was Friday. I knew they couldn't make it to Sunday without thinking something they shouldn't think, saying something they shouldn't say, doing something they shouldn't do, or going someplace they shouldn't go. Now, I know y'all got nothing but angels up here in Denver, but we just had common folk back there in Indiana. And the man is crying and preaching. Heaviness came over the congregation. Everybody started snotting and bawling. And I leaned over to the pastor and I said, Elder, would you mind if I take this service when he's done with it? pastor said, my God, I wish you would. He said, I'm a backslider. <laughs> I gave honor to the man. I don't believe in being harsh, mean, cruel, vindictive in, in, the, in the pulpit or out of the pulpit. But when it comes to fighting for a soul, I'm going to make a space. I'm going to clear me some room right here because... It's a fight to the death for this soul. I, I'm willing to fight for a soul. I said, our, dearly bro, our dear brother has preached with all sincerity. He's preached from his heart. He's preached with passion and tears. I fear that our dear brother is sincerely wrong. Because evidently, it sounds to me that he doesn't believe in a great high priest. Now, folks, there I said, there is no permission slip, hall pass, or indulgences to sin. But if... The Bible said, if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father. What is an advocate? It's a defense attorney. Why would we make, why would there be a defense attorney made available to us if there's no hope for us? Who, the Bible said, daily maketh intercession for us. And why would he be making intercession for me every day if there's no hope for me? I want to tell somebody in this house, there's hope for you here today. There's help for you. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you said. I don't care where you went. I don't care what your lifestyle has been. Once you repent of your sins, it gets under the blood. It's time to get up and go on in Jesus' name. Your Father loves you. You... You may never feel that God could love you. So you don't want to look in the Word of God. You avoid the mirror. 
Because every time you look in there, all you see is thou shalt not. And you see scriptures that condemn you. So you look for love in all the wrong places. This lady went to our church named Barbara. She had a brother-in-law that backslid 14 times. Seemed like a lot. Backslid so many times, he quit, he quit trying. And if you're not careful, the devil will pull that same thing on you. I know of someone that backslid over, over 10 times and prayed through and jailed and today is a missionary on the foreign field. I'm telling you, the devil will tell you there's no hope. But as long as he's alive and you're alive and your heart's willing, there's hope for you. You can come through with you. You don't have to die in your mess. Do you understand that? He got a stain on his hand at work from some chemical. Getting ready to go to lunch. He couldn't get it washed off. And so he kept his hand in his pocket. Didn't look bad. He didn't want to show his wife and all that kind of stuff. Come back to work after lunch. A machine cutting at work. Palm and blood gushed all everywhere. Just spurted out. He got a shop rag and wrapped his hand. Somebody said, call 911. Bob's bleeding bad. He said, don't call 911. Take me to MedPoint. It's little place, medical places around town. You go in, you get stitches. They could even fix a broken bone, do an x-ray or something. He said, well, he said, well, how bad is it? He got the shop rag and he tried to wipe off the blood to look at the gash. And when he wiped off the blood, he started shaking and crying. And he dropped to his knees and stuck his hands in the air and started repenting. And began to talk in tongues. Somebody said, call 911. Bob's, Bob's crying. Bob don't ever cry. And he stopped talking in tongues long enough and said, don't call 911. They said, well, why are you crying? He said, because when I wiped the blood away, the stain that was on my hands is gone. And the Lord showed me that his blood is able to wipe away the stain of my sins. That's why I'm crying. I'm happy to tell you that the blood of Jesus Christ is still working. The blood still works. The blood still works. Put your hands together. Imagine ugliness disorder. You never feel worthy. I might be ugly, but I'm not ignorant. So I married me the prettiest girl in the whole world so my kids would have a chance. <laughs> and I have this drop-dead gorgeous daughter to this day. She's beautiful. Her, uh, her hair was fixed, as my wife called, Shirley Temple curls. and She had a little Martha miniature a dress with about 19 can-cans. I'm exaggerating slightly, I'm sure. Anklets that had so much lace on them, it was pitiful. And little white patent leather shoes, matching white purse. We had four sons and one daughter. My wife was making up, putting what she would put on four daughters, going to put it all on that one girl right there, penalized her. <laughs> Marisa was about four and she wanted to go to Ben Franklin's and if you lived in Midwest you would understand it's a little five and ten cent store so she wanted to go with me and I said okay baby just before church she's all gussied up and 
we get in the store. She says, I got to pick up a few articles, some chalk and another eraser or something for my chalkboard. She said, Daddy, can I, can I go look at the toys a minute? I said, well, you stay where Daddy can see you, which was kind of an empty threat because we were the only two in the store besides the, the grandma that knew us up at the counter. And she's, so she walked over to the other side of the aisle, and the aisle was only like four or five feet tall. I could look over and still see my girl. And in less than two minutes, she was right over there with me. Oh, Daddy, Daddy, look, look at this. I, I've always wanted one of these. Look at this. Oh, I've always wanted one. And it said $4.99. And then she held it back to her tummy, and she said, Daddy, I don't want you to buy this. I have money. I, I can buy it myself. I just want to know, is it okay if I buy this? I said, you have money? She said, oh, yes, sir. I said, well, show Daddy how much money you got. And I held out my hand, and she dumped her little purse upside down, and $1.17 fell in my hand. And she smiled and said, see, I told you I had money. I said, you do. I said, when you go to the counter, you give it all to that lady there, okay? And I kind of nodded to the lady, and she, she saw what was going on. So Marisa goes over to the counter, and she pays her money. The lady staples a receipt on it and thanks Marisa. And Marisa thanked her. I said, now, baby, you stand right outside that glass door. Just a second. Daddy will be outside in a minute. So she stood outside the door, and I walked up the counter. The old grandma said, uh, Reverend, that'll be, and she told me how much money I owed her. My point being is that after my daughter paid all that she could pay, it still wasn't enough. And the Bible says when we have done all that we can do, we're still to say, I'm an unprofitable servant. It's His grace that makes up the difference. You can't deserve this. You can't earn it. You don't qualify. You're not perfect. Neither am I. When I've done all I can do, I have to fall on His mercy and say, God, I need you to make up the difference in my life today. Can I get a witness? You never feel good enough. You never feel like you measure up. Man went to our church, almost seemed proud of the fact that he'd never received communion in 50 years because he wasn't worthy. Well, hello. None of us are worthy. Read your Bible, then, Mr. Scholar, who wants to exempt himself from what the Bible requires. He accounted us as being worthy. That's the only way I can fit in. Uh, it was a Monday morning, about 7.30, and I'm reading a book written by Brother Lamore. Brother Louis Lamore. I had already killed two people, and I was ready to get in another gunfight. And I hadn't had coffee yet. And I get a phone call. And some quail head calls me. Monday of all days. So is this Reverend Ballastinio? I said, oh, you're within about five syllables. That ain't bad. He said, I want, one of your prisoners told me I need to get baptized in that there Jesus' name. And I said, well, they told you right. He said, well, I'd like to be baptized in that there Jesus' name, but I don't want to be a member of your church. 
I'd already killed two people that morning. I still hadn't had coffee and I got this to deal with. I said, well, tell me, if I take the time to baptize you in Jesus' name, why wouldn't you want to be a member of the church? He said, because I'm an alcoholic. I've always been an alcoholic. I'll always be an al alcoholic and AA is my church. I said, well, if AA is your church, have them baptize you. He said, they don't baptize. I said, well, why wouldn't they baptize? He said, because they're not a church. Well, when you pastor in a Catholic community, you have to speak in terms that Catholics can understand. I said, bingo. <laughs> Lord, I apologize for that. I said, meet me at the church at 9 o'clock. And I have a lesson that I would like to teach you before I baptize you. So we sit in a Sunday school classroom and he's on one side of the table and I'm on the other side of the table. And we meander through 1 Corinthians before the study is over, chapter 6, starting with verse 9. And it lists approximately 17 things that God says, if you're doing this, you go into the bad place. Liars and adulterers and oh, all kinds of people that do horrible things. And then it said, nor drunkards. And I stopped. I said, uh-oh, Bob. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. You go directly to jail. I closed my Bible. I said, well, that's the end of this Bible class. There's no hope for you. He said, hey, 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 hey. Would you highlight that in my Bible? I said, well, sure, but it won't do you no good. You're going to hell. I was using that perverse psychology on it. I took that Bob Carnegie course. He said, well, what am I going to do? I said, that's up to you. I said, but before you make your final decision, I'd like to point you to verse 11. And such were some of you. But now you're washed. Thank you, Brother Spell. Now you're sanctified. Now you're justified. In the name of the Lord. That's baptism in Jesus' name. And by the Spirit of our God. That's the Holy Ghost speaking another tongue. I said, let me show you the difference between an AA meeting and an apostolic church service. At AA, a guy stands up or a gal stands up and says, Hello, I'm Bob. You've had a lot of folks go there, I just did. Brother Spell's acting ignorant like he don't know what they're saying. They're saying, hi, Bob. Yeah. You say, I've been an alcoholic for 17 years. It's almost like you're bragging on it. But at an apostolic church service, if we ever get a chance to testify, we're going to say something like, 17 years ago, God delivered me from alcohol. I'm telling you, he can do it in one night. He can do it in one day. I don't care what your addiction is. He is able to deliver you. And he who the Son has set free is free indeed. He's free. Show it up. It's possible for you to believe you disqualified yourself. You feel like your usefulness to God is over. Feel like your mistakes were too big. Oh, no, that's okay. I just, just let me sit right back here. 
God don't want you to spend your life just sitting right back here. Why did he put you in church? We may not all be preachers. Bless your heart. There's something we can do in the kingdom of God. Can I get a witness from somebody? Okay. You trashed Abraham. Let me trash him. If Abraham... This is, this is very close to blasphemy what I'm getting ready to do here. I'll try to be very careful. But judging by today's standards, Abraham lied at least twice about his wife and his relationship with her because he was afraid of his own life. By today's standards, he was guilty of child neglect and child abandonment. They would have thrown his hide in jail for a long stretch. Not only that, but he sent his, he sent Hagar out in the wilderness to die, basically. Going to be, I mean, when he shed of somebody, he shed of them. That's Brother Louis L'Amour saying, in case y'all need some education on that, all right? Then, jump from Genesis then to James. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered up Isaac upon the altar? Say the word altar. Verse 23. And the scripture was fulfilled which saith Abraham believed God and it was imputed or counted unto him for righteousness and he was called the, not a, the friend of God. When was he called a friend of God? After he built an altar. You know how to become a friend of God? Build an altar. You know how to be, have a friendship? I mean with a capital F in friendship is when you come down here and you build an altar. That devil may tell you you're not worthy. Oh, look at all the horrible things you've done. You deserve to go to prison. You deserve to die. Yes, but I built an altar. And when you build an altar, that's how you become a friend of God. Can I get a witness from somebody? Exodus chapter 4 verse 10 Moses said unto the Lord Oh Lord I can't preach like Brother Tony Spell Neither therefore nor since I have spoken unto thy servant But I preach slow like Brother Ballestero And I'm of a slow tongue And the Lord said unto him Who do you think made you? Who made your mouth? Who made the person that can't talk or that can't hear? Who made the person that can't see? Have not I the Lord? Now, therefore go and I will be that with thy mouth and teach thee what thou shalt say. God made you just like you are. Quit letting the devil beat you down on what you have. Let's work with what you got because God made you like you are. And he chose to use Moses with his flaws and all. Can I get a witness from somebody? Here is the Apostle Paul in Ephesians. He said, oh, who? I mean, I, I'm less than the least of all of these. And here he is. He's having memories, flashbacks of him holding the coat while Stephen is being stoned. And he said, I, I'm, I'm the least one here, boys and girls. All right? And then you jump over to Romans. There was a, a Roman custom, a law nearly, that if you had committed a capital offense and you'd killed somebody, they could take that corpse and chain it to your body 
its back to your back. And that body decayed and rotted and the worms began to crawl through that body and it ate into your body and you're still alive and they're eating you up. And it's a slow and painful death. So he says, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? His yesterdays were killing him. His yesterdays were eating him up. But something happened between the close of chapter 7 and the start of chapter 8 because he says, there's, now, there's therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. It's time we got in the spirit and quit thinking in the flesh, brothers and sisters. Peter denied the Lord. He even cursed. But I read where the angel says unto the disciples said, Go thy your way, tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. The Lord wanted to make sure that Peter was included. Stand with me. I'm getting ready to close. I want to give you a little bit of hope. Looking back in the book of Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go down there on the street corner yonder and find the woman who stands on the street corner all night. And marry her. And he did. The interesting thing was that he truly loved her. And you can tell by what he named his own babies. That he realized that they weren't even his babies. And it ate him up. No doubt. One morning he woke up and Gomer wasn't in bed with him. He had to make breakfast for the kiddies and pack their lunches. Help him get on a school bus. I don't know what kind of answer he gave to their questions about where mama was, but I'm sure he did the best he could. The next scene you find him, I don't know if it was days later or how long, but you find him downtown. And there is a marketplace and he sees his wife standing in what no doubt may have been chains being sold to the highest bidder. You also can tell by what he paid for her that it was more than he had in his wallet. He had to empty out the pantry and maybe even go into the barn and empty out what he had in there of value and worth. It looks like he gave his all. I don't know what Gomer thought as she walked home with him that day knowing that she had played the fool. She probably heard a lot of men say, I love you. But this was the first one that had ever really proven love. She is now walking with no chains. He doesn't have a whip. He's only saying sweet words to her. I don't know what her attitude was when she went home that day with him. I can't imagine it was an attitude of arrogance. No doubt her heart was filled with Gratitude, realizing I truly have found someone that really does love me. I want to tell you, folks, you can sell your soul to the world, but you'll never be happy and never find the peace that you can find right here in this house. That dirty devil tries to make you feel like God doesn't love you. I'm telling you, he loves you. He gave his all on Calvary for you. No wonder Mary Magdalene was willing to love him like she did because he forgave her you don't feel pretty today 
I would share Psalms 149 and 4. He will beautify the meek with salvation. You don't need makeup. You don't need what the world can put on you. There's something about that Holy Ghost shine that just comes through you. It gives you a beauty that the world cannot match. If you have repented, you're not disfigured. You're forgiven. If you've repented, you're not disqualified. You are forgiven. It's been a long service today. Come and stand with me around the front for a few moments while we have a song. Lift our voices to the Lord today. Thank you for your patience. I want you to know you're beautiful in Him.
thank the Lord for his voice today. Help me thank the Lord for his word today. That's right. Go ahead. Help me thank him. Jesus, you've been good to us. Thank you for letting heaven touch earth in this sanctuary today. Thank you for the ministering spirits, the Holy Ghost here today. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the Spirit of God that is moving in our hearts. Thank you, Lord, for your angels that are ministering spirits in this sanctuary. Thank you, Lord God, for the men who faithfully delivered the Word. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, God. What a privilege, Lord, to sit together in heavenly places. Thank you, Lord, for this first service. Mile High Conference. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Would you all be willing to say you've been deeply impacted and moved? The Word of God has been so rich today, so fulfilling, so satisfying to the hungry soul. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Tonight we're in for a wonderful time in the house of the Lord. The prayer room is directly beneath this sanctuary in one of the classrooms that has been retrofitted for our prayer prayer room it'll be fairly well designated open as early in the afternoon as you care to come service begins at seven seven everybody say seven the lord's perfect number seven o'clock is when service begins so prayer at six thirty in the prayer room we're having prayer room there so that we can save the space and pre prepare the space for the service that's taking place for the children in the youth center so I want to just welcome once again the Rigert family to Calvary Apostolic Church that Brother Rigert is, has set up and he is manning the AST booth. You want to stop by, take a look. Wonderful programs that are offered and he can answer questions about Hope Corps as well. Any of you parents like to know more about Hope Corps? But Brother uh, Rigert, we're glad you're family and you are here. And Brother Rigert is going to be our evangelist for the children tonight in the youth center. So be sure you bring them and bring them ready for a wonderful revival service over there. We will be dismissing them right before the preaching in this sanctuary in the service tonight. So they can come right on into the regular service, right up through the preliminaries. Then we will have a special dismissal for children, and then they will all go out with the Rigerts. And uh, we're going to just have a great time in the Lord tonight. Now, I have a couple of flyers up here that you might want to pick up tomorrow. There's a fundraiser at Applebee's. 10% off will be, 10% of your bill will be do, uh, donated back to the church. But this is not until tomorrow, Applebee's. Want to go ahead and get one of these? You can remind yourself. Bojo's is offering their 20% back on your bill to the church all the way through the 30th of this month. But you'll need one of these. Okay? And uh, another place, maybe you've never visited, right behind the bank building, U.S. Bank, across, across Colorado Boulevard, right near Yale. There's a strip mall back there, and there's a restaurant called The Garlic Knot. And if you'd like to try them out, they're offering us 20% back on your bill as well as a fundraiser for Calvary Apostolic Church. You're welcome to go see them anytime throughout this week is what I understand. Is that right, Sister? All right. Thank you, Sister Sandra Vigil, for getting these together for us. Appreciate it so very much. So there's just some opportunities for fellowship as we're dismissed. Let's be back in the house of the Lord for prayer. Come early, 6.30, 7 o'clock prayer. You might want to be prepared for bad traffic because around that time is when traffic kind of reaches a climax. You want to leave as early as you can so you won't miss any of the worship service. Isn't it great to have Brother Larry Carter here? Brother Carter, we're so glad you're with us at Mile High Conference this year. 
Amen and amen. We're in we're in for such a wonderful time. Let me just finalize by saying it's great to have both couples who are responsible for the missions work in Roatan with us in this service and throughout the Mile High Conference. Brother and Sister Malone, Brother and Sister Jones, and their children. God bless them. So glad to have them here. Going to hear from them tomorrow night as we focus on focus on Roatan missions. Tomorrow night's our missions focus, and our offering will be dedicated to the work of the Lord in. Roatan, Honduras, in Jesus' name. God bless your off. God bless your uh, your lunch, and Lord bless your afternoon. We look forward to seeing you back here, the appointed time. God be with you, in Jesus' name. Have a good afternoon. We'll see you very shortly, right back here for Mile High Conference service number two, in Jesus' name.